This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 887 of Horse Tip Daily. A different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the world of equine knowledge to you one day at a time. horse people coach jen here and thanks for tuning in to horse tip daily today's tip is an excerpt from the horse.com's weekly horse health report on horses in the morning the hit crew is joined by the horse.com digital editor christy west and martin nielsen to talk about one of our favorite topics worms and we'll get right to our tip after this shopping tip from equestriancollections.com Hi, Glenn, here with the Horse Radio Network, and I am here with Debbie with the Equestrian Collections Product of the Week. Hi, Glenn. This week, I'm featuring a product that I love. It's called the Nunfiner Pirouette Girth, and this is a dressage girth, and the reason I'm featuring it is because my boy, as everybody knows, he's a gypsy, and I have been through many, he's wide, and I have been through many, many girths. Um, he would always actually, you know, put his ears back and be a little bit girthy, and so I'd try a different girth, and I'd have the same problem, and I stumbled across this one, and I got it, and tried it, and I'm telling you, it has made, it was immediate. He has not been girthy since. I got another one for my sister for her birthday for the same reason. She has a big drum there. Same thing. Minute we put it on, the girthiness stopped. So I said, you know what? I'm going to tell other people about this girth. Nunfiner is a great product line. You absolutely cannot go wrong with them. And I completely recommend this Nunfiner Pirouette Girth. Um, my friend Stephanie also uses the other Nunfiner Girth, and she swears by that too. So if you're having some girthing problems, I would say take a look at the Nunfiner line of girths. You will not be sorry. And you can find them at www.equestriancollections.com Speaking of horse addicts, there's a bunch of horse addicts that reside over at thehorse.com and we have our weekly horse health report from thehorse.com. We have Christy on the line. Hi, Christy. Hi, Glenn. How are you doing? We're doing great. We're just talking about horse husbands today, and it's appropriate that you come on wanting to talk about worms. <laughs> Are you saying? Never mind. I'm going to try not to go there. <laughs> we do have a fun show today. We've actually got an extra guest with us today. We've also we've got uh, Aaron Denny Jones as usual, but we also have Martin Nielsen from the University of Copenhagen in Denmark. We have an international segment today. Martin, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what you do over there? I am a horse addict myself, um, and I think not only that, I'm also a worm addict, so I'm, I'm lost and I can't help it here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's so many jokes there that I'm not taking. Uh, <laughs> we could take overload. the whole segment making jokes about that, and it would be fun. Um, but let's, let's go ahead into our topic a little bit. Uh, we're talking about parasites and deworming being, as, with deworming as one of the most common horse health care um, tasks that everyone does with their horses. But the, uh, we've, we've been shifting a lot in what researchers and veterinarians have been telling us over the last several years from deworming by a calendar to, deworming, to a more tailored deworming program. And Martin, can you tell us a little bit of the reason behind that? 
Yes, well, generally we, we, we have just realized that this uh, calendar-based approach uh, where you treat all horses uh, with regular intervals just throughout the year basically just leads to one thing, and that's the, the parasites getting resistant towards the drugs, and, and that's really not a very good situation because we still want to preserve the drugs for treating any horse that might get sick from its parasites. So that's the, basically that's the reason why we now need to change our approach. And what, uh, in a more tailored approach includes what? Well, we, through studies we've done, we, we've realized that, well, first of all, parasites are really just a natural thing. All horses have parasites. They all get them. They all get exposed to them. And it doesn't mean that they all get sick from them. And I think we should get used to that thought. That's probably one of the paradigms that needs to change, that worms are not bad and we, we can't get rid of them. We've, we've tried that for 40 years and they're still all here. But what we found out is that there's, there's huge differences between horses. Some horses just barely get any parasites at all or get very few. And then a few horses get a lot. So some horses need fewer treatments than others, and there's no need to waste a lot of drugs on a horse that manages its parasite burdens very well itself. And we used to say that 20% of the horses harbor 80% of the parasites. That means that the large majority of horses actually don't have very many parasites, and they don't shed very many eggs. So they're, sort of, they're able to control their, their worm burdens. Just genetically, they have a, a better ability to do that? Yes, there's, there's definitely there's there's something genetic in this. There's there's also just the immune immunity that develops to the parasites. Um, the horse still get parasites, and as I said, it, it's just natural. What can make a horse sick is if if it gets in it, too many parasites, and that is still the rare event. So. So we just need to get used to the fact that the parasites are there, and what we should be doing is to prevent a buildup of large burdens that eventually might lead to disease. So how do we know if a horse is carrying a high parasite burden? Yes, well, the the, the tool that we have is, is pre basically very simple. We, we can perform a fecal egg count. Uh, and your veterinarian can do that. It's it's uh, simple, straightforward. There's different methods, but they're all based on the same principle that we know that the eggs will float uh, in, in a certain fluid that we provide to the sample. And then in the microscope, we can count and also recognize, identify the parasite eggs. And then we know from the count number whether the horse will be a low shedder, a immediate, intermediate shedder, or perhaps one of these few criminal high egg shedders that we definitely need to treat. It uh, doesn't mean that the horse with a high egg count is more likely to get sick. Usually, as my experience, it's, it's almost always the most fatty pony in the herd, and, but it's, it's shedding a lot of eggs out into the environment, which might lead to a buildup that could cause disease in other horses. So, so parasite surveillance through fecal egg counting uh, in adult horses we recommend twice a year before and after the grazing season. Very good. <clears throat> now, and you use those fecal tests to ta tell you how often you should deworm those low, moderate, and high egg shedders, correct? Correct. Uh, with, with, with one of these constant high egg shedders, that's typically a horse that if you, if you do a fecal egg count every six months, and you treat that horse accordingly, and six months later you go back, and it's it's then just as high again. Um, those horses could could need a more aggressive treatment, or you could use a drug with a 
with a more prolonged efficacy, while other horses don't need so, so many treatments or don't need as prolonged efficacy drugs. So yes, you can tailor your, your treatments towards those targeting those high shedders. So those are the most important to get treated. Very good. Now there are some financial aspects to this too, because you you could certainly think, well, if we're doing all these fecal tests, then it's got to be more expensive than just throwing a, throwing a tube of dewormer at the horse every so often. That's but a bit in, more and, in reality, <laughs> but in reality, that's not always the case. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, it's also it's also a cost to just throw in dewormers in them every other month or every six weeks, as many people do around around Kentucky, uh, and especially if you never t test if that drugs works at all anymore. I mean, that in in many many cases it might not work, and if you don't perform any any test of the efficacy efficacy of the drug, you're just wasting money and you're wasting medicine, and you're living on a false sense of security that you think that you have control over the parasites, and in reality you you have not. Well, the horse might not might not show any symptoms until maybe maybe one day it has built up a parasite burden which is too big, too high for that horse, and then when it does get sick you don't have any drugs left to treat it with. So uh, that might be very expensive because in that scenario you might end up just losing that horse and because we don't have any new drugs coming into the market. So we have the same drugs we've had for 25, 30 years. And, um, and if we don't slow down the, 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 the treatment intensity and reduce the treatment intensity and slow down the development of resistance, we might end in that situation. We've had it already with the sheep industry uh, and goat industry also in the US that there's multi-drug resistant worms on the farms no drugs left working and that's simply not a scenario we would wish for in the horses so yes it might cost some to to pay for the fecal egg counts but you also pay for a lot of extra treatments that for many many horses for the large majority of the horses is probably not necessary at all so you also save money if you if you perform surveillance and I think uh, Aaron has a, has a story of someone who was able to save a whole lot of money uh, by doing a few fecal egg counts and finding out their horses didn't need as much dewormer as they were getting. Is that right, Aaron? Yes, yes. Um, and my two cents added to this whole conversation is is keeping the environment clean, which is what this client does. She is very meticulous yeah. about making sure that the stalls are clean and her pastures are clean. She doesn't overload her pastures with her number of horses, too, so that's also keen. But she has about 10 horses, and she did fecals on all 10 horses and found them to be free of worms. She quit using her daily dewormer saved a significant mm -hmm. amount of money. We're going to test her again this month, and I would bet you any money that they're all going to be free of worms, and she won't be using any dewormers. Healthy for the exactly. horse. Exactly. Yeah, it's a perfect example, I, and I, I can give you lots of diff, similar examples from just around where I work. I know many people who, with greatest enthusiasm, do perform what we call pasture hygiene, so go out and mm -hmm. pick up poop um, on a regular basis through, during the grazing season particularly those with small-scale uh, horse herds. I mean, if they have 100 horses, it's a different scenario. But if they have a few, it's really doable. And actually, there's also some industry now now actually providing machines, vacuum cleaners that you could drive out with and then just suck up the poop, which make it, makes it more easy or more comprehensible to do. And, By the way, and that one, put that one I, have to, I have to interrupt and say that product is recommended for all horse husbands in America. 
If you want to buy your horse husband something and he's in charge of cleaning the paddocks, that one there is a good one. <laughs> I knew I'll give him an ATV and he'll be happy. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's true. Yeah. So, so I, I see this happening a lot here, and, and I, I definitely see potential for that in the U.S. as well. I mean, uh, many people like the idea of being green in their approach for something like parasite control. So if you can reduce the use of chemical dewormers and do something biological instead that makes sense, and then people are into it. So, yes, this is the most efficient way of parasite control because you really reduce the majority of parasites when you move the poop. Away. I mean, there's 80% of the parasite population are actually on pasture, not in the horses. So it's much more efficient to remove the feces than to actually treat all the horses. So that's something to think about. No downside to moving the poo. <laughs> all right. Yeah, well, but you as can we go into, uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, you can reuse the the, the feces, the poop, because if you compost it. And Absolutely. then the parasites will die because it gets too hot there, hot in there, and then you can you can add it as as fertilizer onto onto the pasture. So it's and then the cycle is full. And it's very Perfect. much a green approach. Um, I had a couple oh, yeah. from California did not want my horse manure because I used dewormers. They didn't find it to be truly oh. organic. Oh yeah, so there you go. You think about that aspect of it as. You know, the people that truly want to be pure about organic don't want to have any kind of artificial issues coming through the manure. So you got another right. Right. level there to look at. Sure. That's a good point, yeah. And that leads me into another area, which is uh, something that we didn't actually have on the list, but since you bring it up, um, non-chemical dewormers. We've, we've always gotten a number of questions about that whenever we do an event on parasites and deworming, and people ask about things like, diatomaceous earth or any number of other herbal type products that are supposed to help provide yeah. some worm control. Um, what are your thoughts on those? Well, I'm generally always very positive when I hear about something new with potential that could work. And, and when you think of it, even, even drugs like ivermectin and some of the most used drugs that we have now for parasite control actually came out of something natural. I mean, ivermectin comes from a fungus. And it was actually just found by, by chance that they noticed that actually it could kill parasites. So, so, of course, there should be potential for something more. But I have to say, honestly, I can't count how many times I've been disappointed uh, because um, I haven't been able to see any documentation of any such product, product uh, that they should work. And, and when I've had access to actually testing some of these or some of my colleagues have, usually we've been disappointed uh, and it hasn't worked. But with that being said, there's, there's some studies being done with uh, particular, uh, specific plants that have um, condensed tannins, which is a chemical substance within them that actually does seem to do provide some activity against the worms, and that's being done in scientific studies. And it looks like there might be something there. There has been some a lot of work done with potassium fungi. So you feed fun, fungal spores to the animals, the horses, and then the spores just pass through the intestinal tract, and they come out in the feces with the worms and and sporulate there, and actually end up killing killing the worms there. And that also looked to to have some promise, but we we basically haven't seen any scientifically proven product on the market yet. 
I, I think there's potential, it could be happening, but I would always be skeptical when I hear about something like that, and I would at least like to see some documentation. Sure. And my experience is um, I'll do fecal exam on those, those people. They'll want me to do fecal exam, check fecal egg count. But I've also yeah. found that those are the same people that do meticulously pick their stalls or pastures or paddocks. So it's kind of hard to say if the product is truly working because they're also doing yeah. a very good job with their environment. Sure. Yeah, Maybe and then you would need you would need a, you would need a control group and an untreated control group in mm -hmm. order to be able to actually conclude anything. And usually that's difficult with a client because they want their animals treated. Uh, but yes, taking some fecals and, and run some post treatment samples is definitely a good idea if you want to try one of these products. And that's some, something I would recommend to the listeners. If you have something like this, uh, whatever feed additive it could be and you're wondering if it has any activity against the parasites, have your vet run some post-treatment uh, fecal samples and see if it does anything. That's a good suggestion. Mm -hmm. Very good. We touched a few minutes ago on composting and heat related to uh, par killing parasites, and since we're coming into winter, we have a whole lot less heat. How does that affect oh, yeah. um, parasites in horses? Well, yeah, that's actually that's a very sensible question that I often get, and and there seems to be a misconception that, that there's something like called the killing frost. Um, you often hear about that. That might be a killing frost. It might kill other, other things, but definitely not the parasites. So the stages that we have on pasture, particularly the eggs that are being shed in the fall and also the larvae that do develop from these eggs, they have been shown to be very, very resistant to frost. They actually love the freezing, and it just preserves them and, and keeps them alive. Uh, in a dormant stage until the following spring, especially in areas where we also get snow cover. So if you get constant cold weather with snow cover and the horses have been grazing late in the fall on that pasture, you can count on that pasture being contaminated with parasites the following spring. And you might think about which horses you, you then turn out on that pasture. If you have foals, newborn foals, for instance, you might want to use another one for those. All right. Hey, hey guys, uh, we're playing running out of time. We have now become the first morning radio show to talk about poop, fecals, and wormers for our 20 <laughs> minutes, and our audience was enthralled. That has to be a first on morning radio. Does it, does it get any better than that? I'm just saying. <laughs> guys, everybody, that was having, everybody that was having their coffee and eggs this morning, um, but you know what? That is true. Only horse people would listen to this and be as enthralled as Jane and I were in the mornings over breakfast and wouldn't find that a problem. You're, you're right. Only in the horse world. And this is why we have so much fun being in the horse world. We can talk about these That's things. true. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Chris. Well, there you go. To listen to more of the Horse.com's tips, just go to horsetipdaily.com and look for the experts drop-down menu on the left. And if you loved listening to the Horses in the Morning gang putting in their two cents on all things horse, you can tune in every weekday at horsesinthemorning.com for fascinating interviews, news stories from around the world, clever contests, and general horsey hijinks. And you can now have all of your Horse Radio Network shows with you wherever you go with our new free app for iPhone and Android. Just go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. And don't forget to support our sponsors here on Horse Tip Daily because they really do make these podcasts possible. Today's podcast has been brought to you through the generous support 
of EquestrianCollections.com. The Horse Radio Network and the Horse Radio Network hosts are not responsible for statements of guests or their opinions. Use your own judgment when listening to the tips provided by the experts on Horse Tip Daily.